HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by 100 Bogart Street, the brand new co-working space in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Learn more at 100bogart.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to HR and Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere it's Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, the Communications Director here at HRN, and I hope everyone's been enjoying the relatively balmy weather we've had until about six hours ago. It's been really cold. Um, So, my co-host and HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, is here, back from San Francisco. Welcome back. Sorry, I missed the Cat and Cat show last week, but I'm really glad to be home. It was lovely. Cat and Cat plus Mocktails. It was great. Um, awesome. Well, we so have another great show today. We do. So tell everyone where, where you were last week and what you're up to. I was in San Francisco with Liza Ham. She's our special projects coordinator. Uh, we were tearing up the town for about five days. We went out for the Good Food Awards, um, which they had the award ceremony Friday night, the Good Food Mercantile on Saturday. We were scurrying all around the fancy food show on Sunday. And then on Monday, we had to have a real quick big lunch before we got back on the plane. Amazing. Um, uh, We also have Hannah Forden in the studio with us, our membership coordinator. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. We've got Sam Lee, our intern and master of trivia. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) And uh, surprise guest, and we're super excited, Korsha Wilson, host of Hungry Society. Hi. Stuck around after her show today. (laughs) And over there on the applause button is David Tadashore. <laughs> uh, what a great audience, as always. Wow. It's amazing. Our uh, special guest today, I'm very excited to say, is the chef de cuisine at the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens Yellow Magnolia Cafe, which is a part of the Patina Restaurant Group. Um, Morgan Jarrett, welcome. Hello, thank you. We're very happy to have you. We're going to talk all about um, our shared past, which um, involves a very amazing event that we did just last month. Cool. Yes. Um, all right. So, as we always do, we're going to jump right into our headlines. 
thank you for our beautiful that was, news a, that was really sudden sorry <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> alright we're ready now we're ready to go in. we got our rapid fire news headlines music so on Monday Japan East eats I am so good at reading today <laughs> Japan Eats well, it is in the Far East point. so hey hey <laughs> um, host Akiko Katayama spoke with Murray Carter of Carter Cutlery about the fine art of crafting handmade professional grade knives using traditional Japanese blade smithing techniques on Tuesday, Snacky Tunes hosted their show from L.A. where they ate at the Filipino-inspired restaurant Lhasa and chatted with Phil Rosenthal, who is the creator and host of the Netflix documentary series Somebody Feed Phil. Phil details how he went from creating the hit sitcom Everybody Loves Raymond to becoming the passionate foodie that he is today. On Beer Sessions Radio, they had three esteemed guests from the world of craft beer. Uh, Zach Mack from ABC Beer Company. Mike Amaday of Torst, and uh, Brad Kessler from Clinton Hall. And also host Jimmy Carbone uh, talked to professional beer consultant and master Cicerone, Rich Higgins, about the importance of clean draft lines. Very important. Very important. And on this week's Meant to be Eaten, uh, Andrea featured Pietro Quaglia, owner of the famously pink and kitschy Italian restaurant Pietro Nolita. Uh, Quaglia joined host Andrea Ween to talk about uh, his millennial pink eatery, very trendy, <laughs> which has become a destination for Instagram influencers and how he came around to embracing his fandom. My favorite color. Um, the line this week featured guest Brian Goldberg, a former investment banker and CNBC reporter who moved to China and became infatuated with John Bing, a northern Chinese street crepe. His obsession led him to open a quick service restaurant chain called Mr. Bing. And I really want to say this in like Janice's voice from Friends. Uh, Mr. Bing, who, when he first opened, he first opened um, it in China in 2012 and has since brought brought it back to New York. With three Mr. Bing locations open in the city and a fourth on the way, Goldberg chatted with host Eli Sussman about growing a fast food chain in the competitive New York City market. And before we go on to events, since Korsh is here, I want to hear what Korsh did on her show today. Yes, so we had Chef Daniel Patterson of Qua and Local. We talked about his journey from super fine dining restaurant to more casual restaurants and the work that he's doing to make restaurants more equitable nationwide Mm -hmm. with Restaurant Opportunity Center. So it was a great show. I hope you check it out. Check it out. Hungry Society on HRN. What, what? org. Thanks, Korsha. Thanks. (laughs) All right, let's go into events. Okay. Um, So I'm going to start out with just like a quick synopsis of past event this weekend because Good Food Awards is always so ridiculously amazing and inspiring. Um, And just a plug for everybody to check out our recordings, which are going to go up on HRN on tour. We have uh, the keynote. Thanks, David. Um, (laughs) Keynote from the brilliant Madhur Jaffrey. It was a really inspiring talk about the diversity within Indian cuisine and uh, also a really special plug at the end for Millet unexpected um but interesting to check out nonetheless and she was introduced by alice waters in a beautiful and tear-jerking introduction and um i also had such a great time at mercantile as always meeting a lot of the crafters and retailers who are new to the show um also got to spend a little bit of time with sam moganum who's always the mc of the awards show he's the head of buy right markets in san francisco he's really awesome super high energy and really inspiring to talk to um we also got to have some guest interviews from sarah wiener who founded the good food awards our own founder patrick martins did an interview um and then we had 
Uh, also, like some nice catch ups with some old friends. I got to catch up with uh, Sivan from Stonecutter Spirits in Middlebury, Vermont. And also, it was really fun to hang with Luke and Colin from Shaxbury Cider. Um, you know, I always like go hang out with my Vermont peeps at the Good Food Awards. Um, and we had a really nice, like, cider themed uh, after hangout with um, Luke and Colin at, oh gosh, what the heck was it called? High Treason was the bar that we went to in San Francisco. Really worth checking out. Also have to give a shout out to Michael Harlan Turkel, who did some guest interviews for us and then took us to Coxcomb, which was awesome. Um, We got to sort of sit down. It was amazing because we walked in and Harold McGee was sitting at the counter, which I was like, oh my God. And then, um, (laughs) yeah, our pal Eli from Olympia Provisions was like up in the upstairs seating area. And then, of course, Chris is the co-author with Michael of Awful Good, the uh, awful cookbook that they put out last year. And then, yeah, Chef Chris came and sat with us for a while and we ate beef heart tartare and steak and kidney pie and a ham burger made from pork with a huge chunk of foie gras on it. And just uh, it was really ridiculously great. So just uh, shout outs to a handful of the awesome people that we got to hang out with there in San Francisco. So now a look ahead. Um, Got to put in a plug for Restaurant Week here in New York. Um, it starts now. It's continuing all the way through February 9th. So Restaurant Week is really a little misleading. Should be Restaurant Week's. Um, so if you're here in the city or you want to come and visit, you should take advantage of some of the great prefix menus at some of the city's best restaurants. I know I will be hitting up Porcena for one of my favorite kind of regional Italian tasting menus. You can find participating restaurants at nycgo.com slash restaurant week. Hot tip. One of the restaurants is Yellow Magnolia. Ooh. What's on the menu, Chef Morgan? Uh, well, let's see. Um, for starters, we have um, a salad of um, mustard greens, shaved winter vegetables, um, uh, candied pistachios, shaved sheep's milk cheese. Um, and then another vegetable option is our fire-roasted um, broccoli uh, with garlic aioli. Um, and then, of course, our daily soup, which changes. Um, so plenty of vegetable options. And then we have a couple of our classics um, for the entree selection. Our yellow magnolia fried chicken with wild rice and collard green slaw. Um, our fish tacos with um, house-made uh, tortillas. So good. Yeah, and then uh, and then our and then our grain bowl, which is uh, uh, equally nice uh, with a soft-boiled egg, um, mustard greens, um, wild grains, and a little mushroom broth. That's what I had for lunch when we went after our event planning session, and it was so good and like so soothing and like delicious and yeah i had the fried chicken and it was (laughs) (laughs) i did have a bite we've been doing our research (laughs) sounds like you can't go wrong where else can you go for a restaurant week and also get to go to a beautiful garden exactly huge beautiful garden after before after you have your meal i mean that's just my vote (laughs) <laughs> so other events we have coming up um, on Tuesday, February 13th, which February 13th, guys, we all know it is Galentine's Day. So we're going to have a Galentine's Day event from oh. 5 to 7 p.m. at 100 Bogart, where our office is located. We're going to be making flower crowns because our very own Margaret Kelly is a florist extraordinaire. Um, also boutonnieres, if that's yes. more your speed. It's totally open to guys. Girls and guys can celebrate Galentine's Day. I can't wait for the Matthew McConaughey <laughs> marathon. 
movie marathons. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to wear our crowns, right? Yes. <laughs> um, while we craft our crowns or our boutonnieres, we're going to be serving some chocolates supplied by Fine and Raw, which is also right down the street, and we love them. They're making amazing chocolates. Um, and we're going to be drinking everyone's favorite trendy wine cooler, Ramona. Heck yeah. So we have very limited space because only so many flowers, only so many... Um, um, chocolates and only so many cans of Ramona. So make sure you go to our Facebook page or go to Eventbrite and search for Galentine's Day celebration. Um, and we hope to see you there. Yes, please. Don't make me cry by not showing up. Um, so we also have another oh. event. So this is, we're really excited about these because um, both Galentine's Day and the next event I'm going to tell you about are going to be hosted in our very own co-working kitchen space at 100 Bogart. And it's just a, like a bright, beautiful, cozy, lovely space. Um, so the next one coming up is March 22nd. So we've got your February 13th. We've got your March 22nd. The event is called So You Think You Know Mezcal. It's an educational tasting hosted by the one and only Lou Bank, who is the founder of SACRED, which is a group that stands for Saving Agave for Agriculture, Recreation, Education, and Development. Uh, Lou is one of a kind, and um, Kat and I have been to one of his workshops that he put on for the Bartenders Guild in Charlotte. It's an incredible experience. He is hand-carrying back very, very rare agave spirits from Oaxaca, for which he has to like trek into the desert for days and days to find these small village producers. You should check out his Facebook page to see the photos of the clay stills and like the fermentation pits that they're aging the agave and it's just really really cool so this is a really unique experience he's not in new york all the time so come march 22nd 6 to 8 p.m you can find the ticket pages for both of these events on our facebook page so just go to facebook and search heritage radio network or also you can find us on eventbrite awesome all right so that's all the news we have and um Oh, I guess that's later. Just kidding. Okay. We're jumping ahead. <laughs> so we're going to jump in with our interview with Morgan now, Chef Morgan Jarrett from Yellow Magnolia Restaurant. Um, so just kind of tell us how you found yourself cooking in a beautiful kitchen, in a beautiful restaurant, in a beautiful garden. Well, it was kind of a natural progression, actually. Um, I used to work on Smith Street, uh, running a few local restaurants by uh, Carrie Diamond and Robert Newton. Um by the names of Searsucker, Smith Canteen, um, Nightingale Nine, and then later on Wilma Jean. Um, and then um, Rob Newton ended up as the uh, chef of Yellow Magnolia, and he uh, roped me in. So I went from Carroll Gardens to the Brooklyn Botanic Garden. So just kind of a really great progression uh, in Brooklyn and in my career. Um, it's been a great place to work. I and mean, You're inspired every day when you walk in. Um, you can't ask for more in Brooklyn, really. What's the main difference in ha- in cooking in a restaurant that's located in the middle of a botanic garden than cooking in any other kitchen in New York City? Well, I mean, for one, I can look outside and see, like, a persimmon tree growing. Or, like, I can, you know, walk through the garden and see, like, spruce tips growing and just, like, come up with a dish by looking out my window. Um, I mean, you really can't replicate that anywhere else. And let's talk a little bit about how we kind of became friends with 
you guys. Um, we hosted our first annual HRN Winter in the Garden. Such uh, a cool event. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we could not, literally could not have done it without Rob and without you and without the whole Patina Restaurant Group events team at, at the Botanic Garden. Um, and it was a really beautiful event. Um, can you kind of explain what what it looked like and what it felt like that night? Um, it was like a really cool house party, but in the like the most, <laughs> you know, with, with like all your greatest chef friends, but like with this like amazing like greenhouse kind of vibe and beautiful chandeliers. Um, but we had some really great chefs out there. We had um, someone making steak tartare, like to order, grinding the like. Oh, it was actually lamb tartare. That was one of my favorite dishes. Um, we had a demo of someone making fresh soba noodles. Um, so many cool things going on. There was like a big show and tell aspect. To oh, it. And we had mm-hmm. DJ Cherish. Yes, of course. the best right. music you can possibly yeah. get. Yeah, and she was fire. We had some of the best bartenders. We had Southern Damon, uh, just like throwing down uh, <laughs> incredible cocktails, and we had like great wine and great beer from Fifth Hammer. And um, we just we were just on fire. Um, I was like really nervous going into the evening because we've never done anything remotely like that or on that scale before. And uh, with the help of you guys, we put it together in a super short (laughs) timeline um, because we just kind of like committed to doing the event. We're like, we could do this, but it's like now or never and it's go big or go home. And we're like, all right doing it and uh and it really came together but then by the time like we were an hour in and I was like oh my god we did it all the food's here all the drinks are here like people are smiling the music is great everyone's having fun then I was like running around to try to like eat something yeah once everyone uh, shows up you know that everything's gonna be okay it's just kind of like you know (laughs) it's like being like 13 at a birthday probably are they gonna come yeah well it's really it's a lot of food to eat yeah we actually like we sold out (laughs) on the day of the event so we were like watching ticket sales nervously the whole time but then like a few hours before we were like officially sold out and then that was just like the first like good sign going into an awesome night but the food was so good and the yellow magnolia taco table was Mm. absolutely incredible and, like, the array of sauces and toppings that you had on that. They were so good. There, I did see a few people have, like, near-death experiences from the hottest hot sauce. But there were ample warnings <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I think we need to talk about the dessert situation mm-hmm. that happened. Oh, there was a lot going on over there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you – do? You, who wants to give the recap of, like, the – that I, I don't even want to call it a station. Like the it was like three stations in one table, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, it feels like it was a year ago. I think it I was know. just a month ago. <laughs> like so many holidays happen and a right. new year happened. Um, but if I can describe it, um, we did like this really cool like ice cream bar. Um, our pastry chef Katie made you know all the ice creams in house. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm remembering something with like oatmeal and bourbon. Um, so we kind of stuck with like a real like winter ice cream thing. Mm-hmm. And then we had this really over the top. <laughs> okay. You all know what I'm about to say. Uh-huh. Yes. The infamous chocolate fountain. Yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a debate beforehand. Oh like this thing, it seems like a crazy idea. 
just so crazy that it just might work. And it was like this thing. I was like, no, we're, we're committing. We're going full chocolate fountain. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes I think a chocolate fountain is the kind of thing that belongs in midtown Manhattan, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a real Brooklynite. I can be real snobby that way. But then when, like, you know, I see people's reaction to this thing, they're literally like kids in a candy store. I'm like... Wow, grown-ups really like this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Because you wouldn't... You, it is Manhattan-ish. It's like you wouldn't necessarily expect to walk in and see that, but, like, it totally worked. People but I will say, it. I think a lot of why it worked is that it was not cantaloupe, like, being stuck... Yeah. You know, you see that well, a lot, and you're now. just like, oh, that's not, that's oh, not no. the chocolate sound. That's not a good is, sound. It's <laughs> separated. That, something's wrong with your chocolate, David. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, you go to so many... Like, there are a lot of bad chocolate fountains where, like, yeah. you have wet toppings and the chocolate falls off. And then, you know, <laughs> I don't and know. Maybe I'm just, like, scarred from too. one bad chocolate fountain experience. But, like, this chocolate fountain had not Rice Krispie Treats, but, like, Fruit Loops Krispie Treats. Yeah, we had some but, homemade like, marshmallows. Oh, yeah, I mean, this was, like, the, the everything was very tastefully uh, curated to go with the so- salted chocolate that was in the chocolate fountain and um it was, i just think we really like did justice to the concept and uh and we people were raving about it it's real it's real yeah <laughs> now i just can't wait till next year i know i'm hungry a taller chocolate <laughs> fountain can we add a tier every year so like year five that thing's gonna there be are like people listening to this <laughs> Another tier on that fountain. Know, don't get any ideas. They're gonna show up this year and be like, "Where's the next level?" <laughs> <laughs> We're sorry, it was a joke. Uh-huh. Um, so, so Morgan, I want to ask you. I want to ask you some more about um, what you brought with you today, and is is some of are some of these goodies from the garden? Them garden. Uh, full disclosure, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> they look beautiful. Uh, however, a couple of things are from the farmer's market. I go through the Carroll Gardens Farmer's Market, which is in my neighborhood, um, every Sunday. And I always pick up a couple of things, even in the middle of winter when it seems like there's nothing there except for potatoes, cabbage, mushrooms. Um, there's still, you know, things to be inspired by this time of year. Um, so one thing I have there is um, Hon Shimeji Jinagi, which is a type of uh, Korean soy pickle. Mm. Wow. So we took uh, market mushrooms, dehydrated them, um, put some ginger and jalapenos in there, and then pickled them in this like really delicious soy uh, mixture. Um, also, we have um, some spelt grain um, saltines uh, that we made today. Um, they're made with um, spelt berries from Castle Valley Mill from Pennsylvania. So, you know, this time of year, you can look for, uh, you know, grains, pastas, et cetera, that are um, grown in the region and processed. Uh, nice way to eat locally. Um, and then obviously this is the best time of year for citrus. So I brought in some satsumas, um, super easy to eat. So juicy. And then we have a little miniature crudite, um, with some house made buttermilk dressing to go with our orange wine. Yum. (laughs) Such a good match. Um, I also wanted to ask, are there any specific challenges in operating a restaurant in such a public tourism spot that you didn't anticipate? It, definitely. I mean, I, I think a lot of people might think that working in a garden is a cakewalk, um, <laughs> and it's really not. There's a lot going on. Um, within the garden, we operate two different restaurants. Um, we have the Yellow Magnolia Cafe, which is our indoor cafe we opened last April. And then we have our outdoor um, canteen, um, which is open nine months out of the year. 
um, with outdoor seating um, in the range of like 150. And in addition to that, we have two event spaces where we primarily um, do uh, weddings and some social events. Um, so two very large spaces. One is at the Palm House. The other is at the Atrium, which is um, a newer, more modern building. Um, so basically, we have, you know, three different tiers of operation going on. So, you know, what might look like a quiet day at the garden is never a quiet day. <laughs> Behind the scenes, it's never quiet. Never. We got we got to see a little bit of that. Because yeah. when we were there setting up for the event, the day, day before and day of, it was wild how many... Um, couples engaged couples were coming through to look at that space and the mm -hmm. events team was like going non-stop to show that space so it's a hot spot to get married and to have a wedding reception what goes into that type of an event i mean the best thing about um that sort of thing is that we know what's going on usually a year in advance most people aren't booking a wedding like that for next month, you know. Um, so we have a calendar that's uh, pretty easy to follow. As long as you know, you know, what you're getting into, uh, anything can be done, you know. Yeah. What are some, like, common requests that you get or, or things that you're doing on a regular basis for a lot of weddings? I mean, as we all know, I mean, the food world is really, really changing, and it's changing quickly. Um, the amount of requests I get for vegan and vegetarian weddings, not just a couple dishes, the entire mm. wedding to be uh, vegan or vegetarian. Um, and of course, a lot of gluten-free uh, clientele. So really adapting our menus around that. Do you ever have like a bride that comes in and is like, do whatever you want? No. <laughs> <laughs> really? I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Might well, I recommend that course of action, though? If you're I, working yeah. with a chef like Morgan or like what I did for yeah. mine, I, I pretty much did say that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just like they know what's going to work and be delicious and work in the space and what is going to satisfy like that broadest range of couples. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I will put in a plug for doing that, Morgan. And oh, hope yeah. That yeah. Something she, comes chef's to you choice. With that. Wedding yeah. Chef's yeah. freestyle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What, wedding. wedding tip number one, let mm -hmm. your chef freestyle. Yeah. That's my advice. All right. Well, let's um, take a quick break for a moment, hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll come back. We'll talk to Morgan some more, and then we're going to end the show with trivia like we always do. We'll be right back. One Hundred Bogart Street is finally open and ready for Bushwick. One Hundred Bogart is a brand new, state-of-the-art co-working space that provides turnkey workspaces, including open layout desks, meeting spaces, and furnished private offices. Members have access to top-notch amenities such as custom furniture, high-speed internet, spacious kitchenettes with coffee and tea, printers, scanners, and much more. Alongside their professional work environment, 100 Bogart also provides exclusive educational programming for any curious entrepreneur. Heritage Radio Network has made their new office home at 100 Bogart and will host many events there in the future. For more information about their co-working space, visit 100bogart.com and become a member to network, create, and educate. Oh, yeah. 
Welcome back to HR and Happy Hour. We're here with our guest, Chef Morgan Jarrett from Yellow Magnolia Cafe, uh, which is located inside the Brooklyn Botanic Garden and is part of the Patina Restaurant Group. So, Morgan, tell us about this special weekday garden admission deal and why it's a great time to go, not only because it's restaurant week, but because there's a deal at the garden. Best time of year, super relaxing at the garden in the middle of winter. Uh, so we have free admission on Tuesdays through Fridays right now. So that means you can just walk right into the Yellow Magnolia Cafe. You have uh, free range in the garden. Um, you know, there's also some really cool indoor exhibits at the garden right now. Uh, if you go to the conservatory, there's like four different ecosystems you can walk around. Uh, really cool experience. Amazing. Um, I also wanted to point out for the um, for our listeners that. The Cherry Blossom Festival is coming up in April. It's at the end of April, but that's I know that's a very popular event at the Garden. It is. So it's probably smart to book your tickets now. That and, you know, an insider tip, I would go a couple weeks before the festival. Mm. Um, usually the magnolia trees are in full bloom and the cherry blossoms are in full bloom. My absolute favorite time of the Garden, go before the festival. Awesome. Um, what else is what else is like very special about the garden right now of this this time of year? Um, the lily pond is frozen. It looks like an ice skating rink, but don't skate on it. That's kind of cool. Um, Hannah, yeah, <laughs> Hannah, we're looking at you. Stay out. I did fall into that fountain when I was a toddler. Did you? I did. I've, se- I've seen a few go in. Yeah, and I was I was like. <laughs> I semi-promised that we should uh, auction that off in our silent auction. That, that was like, a special we, memory, right? Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like, hit, you know, donate a certain <laughs> amount and I'll throw myself in the fountain. <laughs> <laughs> um, Morgan, you mentioned, like, right now as you're walking through and you're seeing the spruce tips and these garden plants, I know that you have a section where you get to grow some of your own things for the restaurant, and I want to ask what you're growing in there, but also, like, is it frowned upon for you to walk around with shears and like, do you get to grab little bits when you see them? How, how I does would that never work? do that and let anyone see me do it. Let's uh-huh. just say that. Uh, no, but uh, I have a good relationship with um, a couple of gardeners um, I work with directly. And, you know, the restaurant's going to be a year old in April. And just as uh, we mature, our, our relationship with the garden is getting stronger and we're developing uh, more ways to work together. Um, so something exciting coming up this year, I'm working um, with um, a lady named Maeve Turner at the Herb Garden, which is um, kind of a misleading name because it's so much more than herbs. Um, in that section of the garden, they grow everything from artichokes to green beans to figs and this really cool tree called um, the pawpaw plant. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. If any of you are um, familiar with the pawpaw plant, it's um, a species native to North America and Appalachia. Um, you'll never see it on a grocery store shelf because of its fast ripening speed. Um, it's like the flavor cross between a mango um, and a banana. Um, so I've had the privilege to work with that product. Um, and then um, in addition to what is currently going on there right now, um, we're developing a program where we have a, a section strictly for Yellow Magnolia Cafe. It's going to be an educational like urban garden section, but then... Um, once everything's harvested, it will be going to the Yellow Magnolia Cafe. That's so awesome. Um, well, I'm really uh, inspired and also, like, I always have to kind of, like, keep my hands in my pockets when I'm walking around the totally. gardens here at Roberta's <laughs> because it always looks so good. And I'm like, I know there are plenty to use this for the restaurant, but I have sort of, like, a wandering hand when it comes to walking <laughs> past the uh, orchard containers here. So that's really cool. That's awesome. <laughs> There's, like, probably just no better place to be able to walk out of your restaurant's front door 
and wander through the garden like that. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right. Well, I think it's that time, guys. It's trivia time. Uh (laughs) I, once again, have not looked at the question. So, Sam, if you want to do the honors. All right. I'll go for it. So, Morgan, it's time for your trivia challenge. But we're all here to help. Okay. Phone a friend. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. So, to keep with our garden theme and and a nod to Yellow Magnolia, this theme for today's round is all about flowers. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. We'll see okay. how that that reaction bodes for you. Might um, need some hints. But yeah, you have everyone here. So, okay. Okay. Uh, so the first question is: What stinky plant was once the official flower of the Bronx and made headlines in 2016 when the one at the New York Botanic Garden bloomed for the first time in almost 80 years? The corpse plant. The Woo! corpse plant yeah. is correct. Nailed it. See, you're one for one. All right. Now the bro flower of the Bronx is apparently the daylily. So. Can I, say I th- thought you said the bro flower, uh, the burrow. Oh, the, the burrow. burrow flower. Sorry. I was like, I didn't know I have, they had that. I have a cold, and I will enunciate better. <laughs> hey, bro, nice flower. I do have to say that when the corpse flower was blooming, um, was it last summer? It was 2016? I think it was, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, like, Dave Arnold was, like, stalking it. Like, he and, da- <laughs> he and Dax, I think, one of his sons, Booker or Dax, they were, like, the day that it was, like, this is it. This is it. It's happening. They were like front of the line. I don't know if you guys see that, but they are mentally. Yeah, the same they had age. like a live cam. <laughs> All right. Question two. In Hawaiian culture, what does it mean if you wear a flower behind your left ear? You're taken. Yeah, you had like a 50-50 chance, <laughs> and you are correct. All it right. means that you're married or otherwise <laughs> taken. Yeah. Um, all right. Number three. In the movie Little Shop of Horrors. What was the name of the carnivorous plant? The Venus flytrap. Yeah. Oh, no. Well, no, no the actual, like, oh, it, has a name. Na- it has a name. Oh, I have like no a idea. person name. Feed me. Audrey 2. Can you sing this correct. song, Hannah? Audrey 2 is the Maybe later. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, number four. What now famous band appeared on 90210 in 1997 back when they were called Kara's Flowers? <laughs> <laughs> they later renamed their band uh, when they released their funk pop rock album Songs About Jane in 2002. Oh, God. I should know this. This is I'm a hard one. Oh, I know. I think. I think I know it. Yeah. You want to go for it? Is it what was their is former it, name? Uh, it was Kara's Flowers, which I can tell you as a clue has nothing to do with their current name. Songs About Jane would be <laughs> Maroon 5. Maroon 5 oh. is correct. Oh, I almost said Matchbox 20, but I can <laughs> yeah. see how Maroon 5 Matchbox Yeah, Maroon 5 is to be Kara's Flowers. And yeah, wow. you can find YouTube videos of them on 902. It's a slightly better name. <laughs> All right, cool it with the boost, Still Dina Gallery. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stop All right, uh, question number five. There are over 600 different species of cherry blossom trees in Japan. What is the Japanese word for uh, cherry blossom tree? Whoa. <laughs> I know this, and I'm like, it's Sakura. Sakura is correct. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're doing really well. You thought you were going to be terrible. I think I could have been fired if I missed that question. <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> All right, number six. The world's most expensive spice begins its life cycle in the Middle East as a part of a delicate purple crocus flower. Name that spice. Saffron. Saffron is correct. 
Apparently it takes it. 40 hours to hand pick enough flowers uh, or stamens to produce a single pound of saffron. Whoa. Pretty wild. Um, all right, seventh and final question. What artist painted his famous painting Irises while committed at an insane asylum, St. Remy de Provence? Van Gogh. Van Gogh is correct. Wow. Right. Wow. Morgan. I feel like that was a full You were nervous, but you filled it. Yeah, you you filled it. You guys are easy on me. Nice job. Nice job. All right. Well, thanks, Sam, for that awesome trivia. My pleasure. As always. Um, Morgan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you for everything you did for our winter gala. We're so excited to do it again this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks to David, our engineer. Anything for you. Our dauntless engineer. <laughs> um, thanks to Hannah Forden, Sam Lee. I have to give Michelle a shout out. She's been here for moral support. From the Tina <laughs> Restaurant Michelle. Group. I couldn't last. Corsha, <laughs> thanks for hanging out. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Anytime you want to hang out after your show, we're here. All right. <laughs> and Katie, our executive director. Thanks, everyone, for listening. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. See you then. for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage.